Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. My name is Leah M., Recovered Compulsive Overeater, and your moderator for this morning. Today is Sunday, April 10th, 2022. The share ID numbers for Friday, April 8th are the following. For the 7 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 18,000. 798. That's 18798. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 18,799. That's 18799. This morning, A Vision for You presents Step 10 Listening for God's Guidance. We come to Overeaters Anonymous as a result of the suffering frustration, and hopelessness we experience in our disease of compulsive overeating. Sick and tired of feeling sick and tired, we come to OA looking for a solution which will free us from the bondage of our affliction. Indeed, there is a solution. The purpose of the big book is to change your life through a 12-step process of personal transformation leading to a spiritual awakening, a psychic change, a personality change sufficient to overcome compulsive overeating. Today is April 10th, and it is the date in 1939 that the big book was published. Many millions of people have already been restored back to health and restored to their families and society by the recovery described in this book. Many millions of generations of addicts yet unborn will be helped as well. Today in 1939, this special gift to the world was given to us. Those of us who have walked this 12-step path can assure you of its effectiveness. We once suffered in hopelessness and suffered in despair. We are now recovered from a seemingly hopeless condition of mind and body. The purpose of steps 1 through 9 is a personal transformation, a spiritual awakening, a psychic change, a personality change sufficient to overcome compulsive overeating. With step 10, the big book tells us, sanity has returned. We will seldom be interested in our binge foods. If temptation appears, we recoil from it as from a hot flame. The process of looking at our character defects and our wrongs that we began in the fourth step continues with this step. It is a lifetime occupation of evaluation and correction. We continue. We continue. And then we continue some more. The big book states that we have entered the world of the spirit. With continuous commitment and effort, we are earnestly listening for God's guidance. Joining us today to speak on this very topic is Dawn B., a recovered compulsive overeater from California. 
Dawn is a student of the text and is dedicated to our design for living and to carrying this message of recovery. And it's with great appreciation and always a pleasure to have Dawn B. on the line. Good morning, Dawn. Good morning, Leah. It is just such a uh, privilege to be here with you today. And on the day that the big book was published, my goodness, what a special day this is. Thank you so much. My name is Dawn B., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Southern California. And I wanted to say a special hello to any newcomers that are here with us this morning. Uh, you're the reason why we're here, and we're just so honored to have you with us this morning. Thank you so much. Well, um, I have some good news for people who have uh, been in this program a long time and just found you know, not a lot of success, because I can tell you that when I started the program way back when I was 18 years old, back in the late 1970s, if you can believe that, um, you know, I had heard about uh, Overeaters Anonymous from a doctor that came over from Mayo Clinic to speak to our the college where I was going, and um, somebody asked him, you know, what was the best program out there for losing weight and keeping it off? And he thought for a moment, and he said, for the long haul, the lifetime of the individual, I would say Overeaters Anonymous. And I said to myself, I don't know what that is, but that is for me. And so I went around and, you know, uh, found out where a meeting was and attended my first meeting. And But it, I must tell you that it took me almost 35 years in the rooms uh, before I was able to get abstinent, more than three days here, seven days there, 21 days once or twice. Um, so my specialty is failure in the program. My specialty is half measures and uh, delusional thinking and doing things incorrectly. Um, but finally, finally, uh, I was able to realize to the absolute core of my being that I am going to die in this disease. And there is nothing ahead for me, nothing ahead for me to look forward to except for a lot more pain, a lot more suffering, and an early death. Or I need to clearly identify my alcoholic foods and behaviors and put them down 100% and grab hold of this program with all the enthusiasm that a drowning person grabs a life preserver and work it like my life depends on it because it absolutely does. And that's what I did, and that was uh, 10 years ago. And I am uh, down over 100 and, you know, 20 or so pounds. I don't really know how many pounds because I stopped weighing myself at my top weight. I just kept eating. Uh, and I'm down to a normal BMI. I don't need to lose any more weight. Um, and the miracle is that the food is no longer calling to me. It's not a struggle. I am abstaining and doing so happily. And what an incredible miracle. I never, ever would have believed that would be possible, to not be white-knuckling it, to not have it be just a real pain. But I am abstaining and doing so happily, happily. And... um I'm also a uh, wife and a mother. I am um, very uh, 
happily married, although prior to program, I would not say that I would be happily uh, anything. Um, I was fighting everything and everyone. And, but this program has absolutely transformed me. Um, my, I have, I'm a mother of four children. Uh, three of those children have autism. Two of those children, the higher functioning ones, also have mental illness. Um, my husband is a cancer survivor, and he is, um, you know, still has chronic health issues as a result, and it's very difficult for him to um, keep food and liquid out of his lungs, so chronic coughing and has lost a lot of weight. And uh, But the truth of the matter is, is that I am living a life beyond my wildest dreams, not because my circumstances have changed, but because my attitude about those circumstances has been transformed by the steps. My mind has been renewed. My attitude about life has changed dramatically as a result of working these steps. And that is an absolute miracle. And I am so dearly, dearly grateful and thrilled that I can come here today and pass on a little bit of what this program has meant to me and what I have learned, and especially about Step 10. Well, when I came into the program, I thought that the only thing, you know, that this program was about was about, you know, food, abstinence, weight, um, you know, that was it. And I thought, hey, as soon as I lose my weight, I'm out of here. Thank you very much. Um, but what I realized after getting into the program and working it is that that's like the tip of the iceberg. The massive portion below the water is uh, my thinking. The, the abstinence is just the ticket in the door. It's the ticket in the building so I can come in and really take advantage of all that is there in the steps. And all that is there in the steps, this huge portion below the water of this iceberg, is my emotional sobriety. It's my thinking. It's my moment-to-moment conscious contact with God. And it's a beautiful thing. Uh, when I came in and um, you know was first learning about the program, I was surprised that they were using the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. That was the pretty much the only literature they had at the time, and um, you know so I was confused of why I needed to read about alcoholics, and now it is um, just such a uh, powerful, moving, life-changing book that um, I just can't say enough wonderful things about it. It has truly transformed my life. This healing message found in these pages is priceless, absolutely priceless. Well, also when I came into the program, you know, I didn't realize it at the time, but my view of life was, if you think about a solar system, you know, with the sun in the middle and the planets revolving around the sun. Well, my idea when I came in was that um, I was in the center and everything, you know, all the planets, everything were revolving around me. I didn't realize it, but that's actually the, my diagram of how life worked. And things were supposed to go the way I thought they needed to and the way I wanted them to. But what I learned about, uh, you know, through working this program is that, no, in fact, uh, my higher power is in that central sun position. And all the planets, everything is supposed to revolve around my higher power. 
And so that was a, uh, um, you know, paradigm shift that I needed to make. And so now it's not about, you know, what I want and trying me trying to get my will, but it's all about my higher powers will and me trying to uh, find out what my higher powers will is and to the best of my ability doing that will. And that uh, has just been a, a wonderful, beautiful change. I came in, you know, trying to get my ease and comfort from food and really seeking that desperately. And then once I put the food down uh, and was working the program, I realized, wow, you know, and got to step three, I realized, my goodness, um, you know what, I'm seeking my ease and comfort from trying to control others and circumstances. That's how I'm seeking my ease and comfort. And what this program taught me is that, no, um, you know, this program is a program that will teach me to seek my ease and comfort from my higher power. And that has just been such a beautiful transformation. So the heart of the program for me um, in my learning about that paradigm shift from me moving from the center of the universe and everything needing needing to revolve around me and me getting rightfully ticked off when things don't to my higher power being in the center really came um, through... uh, page 62 on the, in the big book, where I learned that selfishness, self-centeredness, that is the root of my troubles. And I'm driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-seeking, and self-delusion. And that, um, that my troubles are basically of my own making. And I'm like, what? My own making? Yes, my own making. And above everything else, I need to be rid of this selfishness or it kills me. So first... I realized and and uh, found out, you know, that my food was going to kill me. And now they're telling me that my selfishness, my self-centeredness is going to kill me. And this is a life or death issue. And it absolutely is. And so um, I need to reduce my self-centeredness. Uh, but I can't on my own. It tells me in page 62, the... Um, second full paragraph at the bottom, neither can I reduce my self-centeredness much by wishing or trying on my own willpower. I have to have God's help. And how do I do that? I'm powerless over this as I was powerless over the food. Well, this is the how and the why of it, the bottom page 62. First of all, I have to quit playing God. First of all, not second, not third, first of all. And I remember, um, coming into Overeaters Anonymous meetings and introducing myself, you know, saying, hi, uh, my name is Dawn and I'm a recovering higher power. And I'd get, you know, a few chuckles or whatever, but it's absolutely true. Uh, This is my core issue. Uh, When I forget that I'm not in charge and that I'm not running the show, when I forget that and try to uh, push water uphill and try to get people around me to do and to be as I've already made up in my mind that I know they need to be, um, you know, that's when I suffer. And that's when I cause other people to suffer when I'm trying to play the higher power, when I'm trying to force my will. So it says, um, we have to quit playing God. It simply doesn't work next in this drama of life. God is going to be our director. He is the principal. We are his agents. He is the father. We are his children. 
Most good ideas are simple, and this concept was the keystone of the new and triumphant arch through which we pass to freedom. So God is going to be my director. God is going to tell me the words to say. Out here in Southern California, there's a lot of movie sets. And um, so I get this image of, you know, me being one of the actors trying to, uh, you know, get the other actors to do what I already know they need to do, but really not knowing at all. And uh, the director gets up, goes to use the restroom, and I run over to the director's chair, squeeze myself into the director's chair, and uh, start yelling at the actors that they're not doing it right, and that the scenery needs to be changed, and that all this you know, needs to be different than it is. And I cause a lot of suffering, a lot of chaos, a lot of turmoil, a lot of confusion when I'm doing that. I have to quit playing God. It doesn't work. So God is my director, and it also says God is my principal. So what does that mean? A principal is a financial term from Bill W. back uh, in his uh, Wall Street uh, background. The principal and the agent, the agent is legally bound to work for whatever the principal's best interests are. So whatever the principal um you know, his goals are or her goals are, that is what the agent works towards only. The agent doesn't work for their own best interest, only works for whatever is best for the principal. So God is my principal. My higher power is my principal. I work for whatever is best for God. That's my job. That's what I do. That's what I do during the day is whatever is important to God. That is my job. And then it says, God is my father, and he, and we are his children. So we're talking about a perfect parent here. Um, you know, some of us may or may not have had good relationships with our parents, but we're talking about a perfect parent. My higher power, God, is my perfect parent, and I am God's precious, precious child. And so um, I can, from this example here, I can know that I'm going to be safely protected. I am going to be provided for. I am going to be uh, delighted in that my higher power loves me more than I can begin to comprehend with my mind. My uh, niece recently had a child, a baby, and my husband uh, mentioned to her that, you know, when we have, when my husband and I had children, we really got to, uh, understand in just a core deep level of the intense love uh, that a parent has for their child. And we got to realize uh, more deeply how much, you know, if we can love our children this much, how much more, how infinitely loved are we by God? And just that intensity of the love of a parent for their child and how our perfect parent loves us beyond what we can begin to comprehend with our minds. Most good ideas are simple, and this concept was the keystone of the new and triumphant arch through which we pass to freedom. So this idea of us not playing God, of us not pretending that we already know the way life needs to go, and we can get rightfully ticked off when things aren't going the way we want them to, um, and that... Uh, we can let go and let God be in charge. And we can work for God's goals, God's best interests. 
And that's our job during the day is for us to do that. When we think that way, we now realize we have a new employer. Being all powerful, our new employer provides everything that we need when we keep close to him and perform his work well. Established on such a footing, and I'm on page 63 in the big book, the first paragraph there, we become less and less interested in ourselves, our little plans and designs. More and more we become interested in seeing what we can contribute to life. As we felt new power flow in, as we enjoy peace of mind, we discover we can face life successfully. As we become conscious of his presence, we began to lose our fear of today, of tomorrow, and the hereafter. We are reborn. <sighs> beautiful, beautiful. And then step three um, tells me how my relationship is to be in this world and with God. We've just learned, you know, we have a new employer. Our employer is going to provide us with everything that we need to be successful. And we, so we don't have to worry. We no longer have to rely shakily, frighteningly on our abilities. We're now relying on our higher powers' abilities to provide us with everything that we need to do God's will exactly as God would delight in it being done. So I don't need to worry. And God, in, in uh, step three, it says, God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self. And it is a bondage. I am enslaved to this uh, self selfishness, self-centeredness. And left to my own devices, I go back there. But I need God's help to relieve me, to give me uh, the keys to unlock this bondage to self and free myself from it. Because without God's help, I am enslaved. And without help, I am powerless over it. So relieve me of the bondage of self, that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties, that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help. Of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. And then it says, um, it's so relaxing just to read this. And then it says, uh, at last we could abandon ourselves utterly to him. And I love doing that as a meditation, a walking meditation. I abandon myself utterly to you, God. I abandon myself utterly to you. I abandoned my little plans and designs of what I made up in my mind, the way I needed the world to go. I abandoned myself utterly to you. I abandoned those things and leap into your outstretched arms and hold on for all I'm worth. Thank you, God, for this new relationship. So based on this, we then launch into step four where we do a house cleaning and um, and then in uh, step 10, we continue that house cleaning that we started in step four. And so step 10, uh, we're going to go ahead and look at that. And that's on page 85. So if you want to turn your big books to page 85. So 85, or page, I'm sorry, page 84. This thought brings us to step 10. And in uh, step 10, which suggests we continue to take personal inventory. So we are continuing what we were doing in step four with the personal housekeeping 
the house cleaning. What we were doing in step four is we were turning on a light. For me, how it was helpful to understand is I was turning on a light in a darkened room that I used to just run through and trip over all these things and stumble. And now I was turning on the light so I could see what was in my way, clear out those obstacles so I was no longer stumbling in the dark. And to clear out those things and recognize what they were and to clear them away. And what we're doing in step four is we are taking away those things that are between us and our higher power. So we just had this beautiful decision in step three. But now in order to be able to live out that decision, I need to clear away anything that's blocking me off from my higher power. And what blocks me off are those things which I'm holding on to that I'm not letting go of, things in my past, you know, disturbing things that happened or resentments that I have, fears, any disturbance in my emotional sobriety uh, are those things that I need to clear away that uh, get in the way of me being in the complete sunlight of the spirit. So step 10 suggests we continue to take this personal inventory and continue to set right any new mistakes as we go along. So when we, by the time we're arrived at step 10, we have just received these amazing promises um, in step 9. Uh, we have started to clean up the past. We haven't completed it entirely, but we have started to, to get this amazing, amazing serenity we have become to comprehend serenity and no peace. Uh, and the promises are at the bottom of page 83. Uh, if we're painstaking about this phase of our development, we will be amazed before we're halfway through. We are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past, nor wish to shut the door on it. We will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace. Just beautiful, beautiful promises uh, that we have received. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and economic insecurity will leave us. Um, we will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. So we are uh, getting into the complete sunlight of the Spirit there is very little um, between us and the experience, the union, if you would, if you want to say, with that experience of our higher power. Um, and so we are on a high uh, coming into step ten, and we want to maintain that and and continue to clean up the past with our step nines. Um, but we really want to set right any new mistakes as we go along to keep that channel between us and our higher power open. We vigorously commence this way of living. And to me, vigorously means this is my job. When I'm not running the universe and trying to, um, you know, push water up a hill and trying to get my husband to be different than it is he is and try to get my children to be different than they are because I've already made up my mind. I know how they need to be. When I stop trying to do that, I have a lot of time on my hands. So what I do with my time on my hands then is live in steps 10, 11, and 12 on a daily basis. And so step 10 is continuing. Anytime I feel an emotional ripple, anytime I feel a wave in that, you think of a pond, you know, with very tranquil waters. 
anything that makes a ripple in that pond that disturbs my emotional sobriety is something that I can do a 10th step on. And we vigorously commenced this way of living as we cleaned up the past. So I am going to be working at this on a daily basis. I'm going to be working on looking at how I'm reacting to life, monitoring my emotional sobriety. And if anything is out of the out of the uh, tranquil, tranquil waters of emotional sobriety. That is what I do a step 10 on and clear it out quickly to clean that channel between me and God's loving flow uh, to me, between myself and my higher power. I don't want to be anything, have anything um, getting in the way of that relationship, being to the fullest of what it can be. We have entered the world of the spirit. And what that sentence means, and again, I'm on page 84, the second full paragraph there. We have entered the world of the spirit. And so for me, what that is, is I am entering, um, what I've entered in is that fourth dimension, that dimension where my higher power is in charge and running the show. And it's a beautiful, beautiful uh place to be and to live out of. So now I can spend time every day resting in my higher power's loving presence and just meditating on my higher power being in charge and running the show. So I can I like to quiet my mind and think about uh, just being, you know, I actually visualize myself reaching out my hands and holding on to my higher power. I also can visualize myself, you know, going to a, a beautiful outlook, uh, like a park area, where I'm uh, going to this beautiful setting. There's a rock there. And I sit down on this rock, and then God comes over and sits down beside me. And God and I look out over this beautiful, beautiful view of uh, mountains and a valley down below and beautiful sky. And we talk. And I spend time with my higher power. So that for me is me entering the world of the spirit. I'm now in a place where uh, I can go and just be at peace with my higher power and spend time in the loving presence of my higher power talking over life and asking my higher power how to how God would have me handle things and it's a, a beautiful beautiful thing our next function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness so what step 10 does is helps me to grow in understanding um how I am to live in this world of the spirit where my higher power is in charge and running the show. You know, how am I to act? How am I to be thinking of God as my director? What's my line? What would you have me say? How would you have me act in this situation, God? Uh, how to be most effective for meeting your will and your goals. May your will be my only goal, God. How would you have me be? This is not an overnight matter. It should continue for our lifetime. Continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. So 
I love this that it says continue because we are just, you know, step four when we go through it. And you newcomers, don't worry. This is all going to be explained very clearly to you uh, by your sponsors and by the many loving people around you. You have a whole cloud of people all around you that are just there for you, uh, that are going to be lovingly walking you through this process. So you don't need to worry about this if you don't understand it. Just relax and and um, you know, take in what you can and just trust that trust the process and trust that you're gonna be have your hand held and you're gonna be walked through this process. So continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment and fear. Um I love step ten because it's there it's not surprised that we're you know, going through this. It's not a surprise that we're going to be experiencing selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. We're not, uh, we don't uh, ever rise to the level above being human, what our one of our beloved members says. We never rise to that level where we're perfect. So we continue to um, watch for these very human emotions that we're feeling, selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. And when these crop up, so no surprise here, when these crop up, we ask God at once to remove them. So I can ask God immediately to take this away. And then I discuss it with someone immediately. And I make amends quickly if I have harmed someone. And then I resolutely turn my thoughts to someone I can help. Love and tolerance is my code, is our code. So step 10 is a loving way for me to continue this housekeeping, to continue to take away anything that stands between me and my higher power and that full experience of the loving presence of my higher power. And it is a practice for me. It's not a one and done um, thing with my higher power. It is a continual opportunity to practice being in the loving presence, practicing that loving presence of my higher power, practicing that God is in control and running the show, and I am not. Because when I forget, and I consider myself like Dory on Finding Nemo, this fish that would uh, swim a little bit, and then she'd forget completely what she was doing or where she was going, and then you know is reminded and then continues to go on, and then a few minutes later she forgets. Well, that has been my uh, human experience, you know, with this wisdom in the big book. I continually need to be reminded, continue, and that's why I love the word continue is repeated so many times in step 10. All I need to do is continue uh, surrendering, continue swimming, continue um, practicing this step 10. Just keep swimming, keep swimming, keep practicing, Dawn. Keep practicing, keep surrendering. God is in charge and I am not. God is in charge and I am not. And it's a beautiful, beautiful way of life. And then what it describes in the next paragraph is what happens when we have really, um, you know, done this step 10 we have ceased fighting anything or anyone. Now, what a beautiful statement that is. It just speaks about this surrendered state that I am able to enter once I have cleansed this, anything that's standing between me and my higher power, and I am truly basking in the sunlight of the Spirit. I have ceased fighting anything and anyone. And remember when I 
talked to you about me coming into the program, I was fighting everyone and everything. And it's just a beautiful uh, surrendered state that we receive. It's miraculous. Uh, God doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. God doing for me what I could not do for myself. For by this time, sanity will have returned. Um, and we're not even fighting the food anymore. Uh, we seldom are interested in our alcoholic foods, in liquor. Uh, if tempted, we recoil as if from a hot flame. We react sanely and normally. And not just with the food, we more and more find ourselves, as we grow along these lines, reacting sanely and normally to situations in life. We will find that this has happened automatically. We will see that our new attitude toward our alcoholic foods has been given to us and our behaviors has been given to us without any thought or effort on our part. It just comes. That is the miracle of it. We're not fighting it. Neither are we avoiding temptation. We feel as though we have been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. We've not even sworn off. Instead, the problem has been removed. It does not exist for us. Wow. I am, uh, this paragraph, what it means to me is I just visualize myself back behind the situation, uh, removed safely and securely back with the loving presence of my higher power, resting in that presence, asking my higher power how my higher power would have me handle things, and just being so safe and protected uh, spending more and more time in the loving presence of, you know, focusing on how God's perspective is. What's God's perspective on this? How would God have me see the situation? What would God have me say in this situation? And um, so it's, then it goes on to say that this is how we react as long as we keep in fit spiritual condition. It's easy to let up on the spiritual program of action and rest on our laurels. We're headed for trouble if we do, for alcohol is a subtle foe. We're not cured of our compulsive overeating. What we really have is a daily reprieve, contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. Every day, not some days, every day is a day when we must carry the vision of God's will into all our activities. How can I best serve thee? Thy will, not mine, be done. These are thoughts which must go with us constantly. So this is one of the most important paragraphs for me in the big book, page 85, that first full paragraph. Every day is a day when I must, very important words, carry the vision of God's will into all my activities. How can I best serve thee? Thy will, not mine, be done. And so this, what this means to me is me pausing and asking God, how would you have me handle the situation? Me pausing and listening for God's uh, perspective. God and prayers that you know come out of this are, God, please help me to see the situation more like you see it. Please help me to love this person as you would delight in me loving them. Please help me to uh, see my daughter more like you see her, God. Please help me to act when I'm in her presence more like you would delight in me acting. Help me to love her as you would delight in me loving her. And then when I, uh, also for myself, you know, God, please help me to speak to myself 
as you would delight in me speaking to myself and love me to speak to myself. Help me to love myself and treat myself as you intend. What is your will, God? How can I best serve you with what I'm saying? May your will be done with my words. It's just, uh, it's even relaxing just to say these things. And so what I'm going to do now is I'm going to be um, going through some step tens. Now, there's many, many, many ways to do a step ten. And the only wrong way to do a step ten is to not do it at all. So you can, um, you know, follow the the guidance, exact words in the big book and go through and do a step ten. There's uh, different forms that some of our fellows have developed, um, you know, columns using uh, the uh, step four process. And for me, what I do is I take the practice that I did in uh, step four and just transfer that over and um, use those same forms that I used in step four for my step tens. So step four through nine is really me practicing how to do a step 10. And step 10 is just continuing that process. So what I'm going to do is just read through you a uh, a few uh, step 10s of mine. And then you can see, um, and like I say, there's many ways to do it. And this is just one of the ways to do it. And um, so I'm going to go through this. And I'm going to start with, um, I'll start with uh, me being resentful at my husband's declining health. Now, this would, most people would say, well, this is really a fear. You know, I'm afraid of my husband's declining health. But if it's a big fear, then I go ahead and put it in the resentment uh, form uh, because then I'm able to, if it's a complex issue, then I'm able to see more of my part and what I'm telling myself that might not be true that's, that's, uh, motive, that is uh, running this, giving it uh, energy. So I'm resentful of my husband's declining health. What's the cause? Well, he's a um, you know cancer survivor, gets food and liquid in his lungs, chronic coughing, he's weak, um, and has diminished strength. That's, that's why I'm afraid. But if this affects my security in a big way, my ambitions, personal relations, sex relations, and yes, fear is involved. And again, if you're new, don't worry. This will all be lovingly explained to you with your sponsors. So then what I do is I go ahead and I um, read the uh, a modified offended prayer. Um, God, I would say that my thinking in this area is perhaps spiritually sick. Please uh, direct my thinking. Please help my thinking to be more helpful. Save me from being angry. Help me to avoid retaliation or argument. Thy will, not mine, be done. So... I'm selfish because um, now I'm going on to column four, the character defects column. And a common mistake people make in this column is they list off more issues of what the offending issue or the offending party did or more problems. And that's what you don't want to do. You want to disregard the other party entirely and just focus on my part here. So under selfishness, uh, I'm selfish because I'm trying to play the director. And I'm trying to, you know, instead of the actor, I'm trying to play the director, run the show, and his health is not following my script. I'm also wanting special treatment. I want God to play favorites. I'm um, dishonest because I am basically telling myself things that aren't true, such as my serenity is dependent upon his health and upon his presence rather than upon my relationship with my higher power. 
I'm holding on to inaccurate beliefs under my dis- dishonesty because I'm telling myself that my husband is responsible for my security, so he can't be sick. Um, I'm also telling myself that I know better than God how life needs to be going, and this should not be happening. But the truth is, I have no clue what needs to be happening in order for God's greater good to be the end result. So under the dishonesty section, if I can find uh, what I'm telling myself that's not true, that is buried treasure. So under the dishonesty section, I'm asking myself, what is it? What are the lies that I'm telling myself that's giving this resentment energy? Um, So I'm also telling myself that uh, under the dishonesty section uh, that his health must change before I can be peaceful or happy or okay. But the truth is my peace and happiness is only dependent on the loving presence of my higher power in my life. I'm dishonest because I'm telling myself I have no choice. I have to be upset over this. But the truth is, after asking my higher power, is that I do have a choice. And that I don't need to be upset. My response and attitude is entirely my choice, my responsibility, and free will. I'm also telling myself that his health is the reason I'm upset. But the truth is, is that my thinking about his health is the reason I'm upset. I'm making this mean. I can also, under the dishonesty section, ask myself, what am I making this mean? This situation that I'm upset about with my resentment. What do I make it mean? Well, I'm making this situation mean that God must not love me or my children that much or this would not be happening. And then I can pause and I can ask my higher power for the truth and I can listen to God's guidance and uh, write down anything that might come to me. So after asking my higher power, the truth is, is that God loves me and my children beyond what I could ever begin to comprehend with my mind. Ah, it's even just it's just cleansing and relaxing just to uh, read through this. I'm also making it mean that the future is going to be scary and there's not going to be a lot of joy in the future. But after asking my higher power and listening to my higher power's guidance, the truth is, is that when God is in charge and running the show and calling the shots, the future is not going to be scary and there's going to be joy immeasurable in the future. I'm being self-seeking because I'm trying to play the higher power and I'm trying to force my will. I'm trying to control my husband's health and think it's my job to force it to be different than it is. I am seeking uh, my, I'm seeking my security for my husband and his health rather than for my higher power. I'm withdrawing when I don't get what I want and holding my happiness hostage until my demands are met. I'm also being self-seeking because I'm making others and circumstances responsible for my, I'm making my husband uh, and his health responsible for my happiness, my security, my safety, rather than my higher power, and I'm playing the victim. I'm frightened of um, reject, of not rejection, of abandonment, of loneliness. I'm afraid of his suffering, of his death. I'm afraid of becoming overwhelmed. I'm afraid of relying on God alone for my sense of ease and comfort, for my safety, my security. I'm afraid of the future, living in a state of impending doom. And under the inconsiderate portion, I can also um, uh, ask myself to, um, I can, my, my sponsor introduced this to me and she said, see if you can uh, ask your higher power for another perspective. You know, see it more like your higher power sees it. So, um, 
under the inconsiderate portion, have I considered to ask my higher power how my higher power sees this situation? And when I ask my higher power or my husband's higher power how they see the situation, from my higher, husband's higher power's perspective, my my husband's higher power is not worried at all about his health, not worried at all about his future, not worried at all about his uh eventual passing or the future of his family. So if my husband's higher power and my higher power are not worried about this situation, maybe I don't need to be as worried either. And also that from my higher power's perspective uh, and from my husband's higher power's perspective, he is exactly where and how he needs to be in order for his higher power's will and purposes to be accomplished. And my husband and I, our whole family, has learned and grown in ways that we simply never would have been able to had circumstances around his health been different. So then I move on to my fear form. And just like in the big book, you'll notice that under every resentment listed in step four, there's fear in parentheses. So I, 99% of the time, also do go on to uh, you know, examine my fears uh, in depth with every resentment. I ask myself after I'm done with my resentment, you know, I say, what is my core fear here? What am I most afraid of? What am I really afraid of? And then I go ahead and do a fear form on that. Um, and by fear form, I mean, I just go through uh, a fear inventory with that. So what am I really afraid of? What's my core fear? I'm afraid of my husband dying and of life without him. Why do I have the fear? Because I'm relying on my husband's presence for my security rather than my higher power. So where is my trust and reliance? It's on finite self, not infinite God. Does self-reliance work? No, it does not. God, please remove my fear and direct my attention to what you would have me be. And what God would have me be is God would have me be relaxed and calm God would have me be staying in the present moment where all is well. And God says to me, and this is uh, another thing that I have found tremendously, tremendously helpful, is to, after, after I ask my higher power what God would have me be, is to also pause and ask my higher power, you know, if my higher power were to communicate directly to me regarding this issue, what might my higher power say? And I... um ask myself what my higher power might want to communicate to me. And I pause and I listen for God's guidance and write down anything that might come to me. And so this is what my higher power says to me. Donnie, I love you. I love you and your husband and your children more than you can begin to comprehend with your mind. I am holding all of you safely and securely in my loving arms. I am carrying you and have been providing for you with my divine abundance since before your lives began. I'm not about to drop you now, nor in the future. No matter what it looks like, sweetheart, you can close your eyes and know that I am right here with you, holding you by the hand. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I am your security. I always have been. And God would have me be saying to life, whatever it is, God, whatever is to come, I accept it, I welcome it, and I say thank you. I surrender all to you, God. 
May your will be my only goal. And God would have me be uh, turning my husband over to his higher power's most loving will for him. And God would have me be aware that I'm going to be given everything that I need to make it through whatever is to come. So I'm able to do God's will exactly as God would delight in me doing it. So I don't need to worry. All is well. All is well. Ah, and uh, step 10 is such a beautiful, beautiful tool for um, getting into clearing away anything that might be, uh, you know, obstructing our uh, experience of the sunlight of the spirit. It allows us opportunities to listen for God's guidance. Um, especially, like I said, under the dishonesty section, if I can find out what I'm telling myself that's not true, um, that is buried treasure. And um, under the inconsiderate portion, if I can ask myself if I have considered the situation from how my higher power sees it and to write it down. And then in the, uh, the fear under the fears. After I pray the prayer, God, please remove my fear and direct my attention to what you would have me be. If I can then uh, pause and also meditate on, you know, if my higher power were to communicate directly to me regarding this issue, what might my higher power say? And to pause and to listen for God's guidance uh, in that. And I just wanted to read you another uh, one, and then I'm going to finish with this of what God would have me be. This was another um, a fear that I had and fear of not being lovable. Um, and uh, it was on fear of getting older and looking older. And why do I have the fear? Because I'm basically um, telling myself that I'm, you know, that uh, my value is in the body never changing. And so... God, and so I'm saying the fear prayer, God, please remove my fear and direct my attention to what you would have me be. What would God have me be? Uh, God would have me be listening for God's voice as to what is true and what is valuable and what is worthy of love. And God says, and then I pause and ask, you know, if my higher power were to communicate directly to me regarding this issue, what might my higher power say? And this is what my higher power said to me, Donnie. I love you infinitely, beyond what words can express, infinitely, beyond what your mind can comprehend. My love for you is bigger than all of creation, because my love for you is who I am. You are my precious child, created to be exactly as you are. I delight in you more than words can can contain. Beloved, you are mine, and you bring me great joy. All of creation sings of my love for you and of all my children. Listen for my voice. Relax in my love. I am here for you, precious one, and I'm not going anywhere. All is well, sweetheart. All is well. Well, with that, I'm going to end. And uh, thank you so much for allowing me to come and to share uh, about Step 10 with you today. So thank you. Well, thank you, Dawn, for this uplifting and inspiring presentation. So rich, so profound and instructive. Greatly appreciated. Thank you so much. Very touching. An opportunity to see the impact of 
recovery on our minds and hearts. Thank you so much. The share ID for today, 18,805. That's 18805. Dawn's contact information will be given at the conclusion of this recording, so please stay tuned for that. We will now transition to a question answer segment. You can pose a question to Dawn by pressing star 1 to unmute. I need your name, including the first letter of your last name. Wendy B. Wendy Rick J. Rick. Tamara C. Tamara. Nancy C. Mm-hmm, Nancy. Beth Lee. Lee. Jessica Beth. C. Yeah, Bessie Lee. Jody E. Jody E. Lisa G. Lisa G. Okay, that's a good group. Thank you. Let's get started with Wendy B. Followed by Rick J. Questions only, please. Thank you. This is Wendy B. Um, Hi, Dawn. I just that was so beautiful i could just sense god's words flowing through you and um and i just love your step 10 process but i was just wondering if you ever um like when you have a disturbance if you're ever able to just turn it over to god and be released from the from the irritation and so you don't need to do a step 10 or do you do this thorough process with everything that comes up thank you Excellent, excellent question, uh, Wendy. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, that is a uh, beautiful question. And yes, uh, sometimes if I can, you know, how it says in uh, the b- big book there, you know, we ask God at once to remove it. Um, that can be done. Um, sometimes I will do something in the in the immediate sense, uh, and. What I'll do is I'll just um, like uh, do a body scan in the immediate, and I will find where I'm holding it in my body, and then I will go to that place that I'm holding that tension in my body, and I will relax, and I'll um, say, welcome, welcome to that, you know, like I'm not pushing it away, I'm not resisting it, I'm not fighting it, I just welcome it, and then I'll say, um, I let go of my desire for security, affection, control, and I embrace this moment as it is, welcome, welcome. I let go of my desire for security, affection, control, and embrace this moment as it is, welcome, welcome, and just relax. Um, that's something I can do just in the moment, you know, that it's happening. Um, but I, you know, for, I often do. I, in fact, I usually typically do a 10-step on a daily basis as well. Uh, and again, it can be done a variety of ways. A 10-step can be done, you know, quickly, informally, um, you know, over the phone with someone, it can be done with your sponsor, it can be done, you know, with another, uh, any number of fellows, 
but I typically do do it on a regular basis. And in the beginning, I would have five, six, seven, eight, you know, 10 steps in a day. But um, oftentimes, I'll, I'll do uh, a 10 step in a day. Yes. But thank you so much for that question. Thank you, Wendy B. Rick J., you're up, followed by Tamara C. Oh, good morning, everyone. Uh, thank you so much, Don, and thank you for your service, Leah. My question was uh, very similar to Wendy's, and, um, you know, I think, um, you know, we were talking about as soon as that emotional ripple, you know, as soon as there's a little bit of a disturbance in the force, so to speak, um, you know, that is immediately when I'm, I'm realizing that I need to disconnect from myself and connect to God, you know, in, in a pause. And um, I was just wondering, too, sort of like if, if if you feel like in that pause, if you're going to, you know, God as a first responder, so to speak, and, you know, but what I sometimes I get that where, you know, I'm no longer fighting, you know, I feel like I'm in a sort of position of neutrality, kind of like the step 10 pause you know, um, the step 10 promises on a specific situation. If you feel like that, that pause is, you know, as with your higher powers is kind of taking care of that situation and you're able to move on or, you know, or do you always follow up, you know, eventually with a, a step 10 process or do you, you know, can you see in the pause that the problem has truly been removed and you just keep going? And that was very similar to Wendy's. Thank you. Thank you so much, Rick, for that question. That's a beautiful, beautiful question. I think <clears throat> the idea, for myself anyway, is just what, for myself, uh, and what I would say to a sponsee as well, would be find what's most loving for you and follow your higher power's guidance. Um, I, I like committing myself to doing a 10-step on a, a daily basis just because it helps me to not sweep anything under the rug. Um, when I wasn't, you know, committing to do a 10-step on a regular basis, I would say, oh, it's not that big of a deal, and just let it go. And then, you know, things would start to, like, build up. And um, and so for me personally, I like the commitment of I'm going to do this on a daily basis. Um, and uh, But I would have people find what's most loving for them. If they can feel that they have received relief just by turning it over to their higher power, um, you know, more power to you. Uh, and But I do like the uh, encouragement there in this step 10 for us to discuss this with someone immediately and um, to really take care of it. So, yeah, there's many ways of doing this. And again, the only wrong way is to not do it at all. Uh, and there, and you don't need to do the more formalized forms that I've done. That's just my personal way that I have found very helpful for me. But find what's most loving for you. There's many ways to do this. And uh, whatever would be most loving, whatever clears you for that path of the sunlight of the Spirit the most, just follow your inner, you know, follow your guidance from your higher power, what would be most loving for you. That would be the best way, I believe. Thank you so much. Thank you, Rick J. Tamara C., your turn, followed by Nancy C. Good morning. This is Tamara. Thank you so much, Dawn, for your your service and all that you do to um, help fellows. I, my question is regarding 
um, how you do the fear inventory. I like how after you ask your higher power, what would you have me be? Then you ask, like, what do you have to say to me in this? I've noticed that your higher power is very safe and loving, so it's safe for you to ask that question. I'm wondering if it has always been that way or if that is something that has shifted for you, your concept of your higher power being so loving. Thank you so much, Tamara. That has happened as a result of <clears throat> of practicing asking my higher power for communication. So <clears throat> that has just come about as a result of listening for God's guidance. I, you know, before this, I it, my higher powers was more like distant. It was more kind of an idea. But when I opened myself to the idea of my higher power actually wanting to communicate with me and um, that that would be possible, you know, back in the, the first 100, they practiced two-way prayer a lot, <clears throat> and they would listen for guidance, God's guidance on a daily basis. In their morning meditation, they would, um, you know, uh, read a phrase that was meaningful to them, like either of, you know, your their personal scripture or some phrase that maybe in a daily reader that jumped out at them, and they would ask for God's guidance. Uh, they would pause and listen and and ask for um, God's guidance of what God might have them want them to do during the day and anything God wanted to communicate with them. They did this on a regular basis and practices. And I found out about that and started, you know, looking into two-way prayer and practicing it myself. And it was through that, just asking, you know, if my higher power, writing down a fear, writing down an issue, if my higher power were to communicate directly to me regarding this issue, what might my higher power say? And that is when I began to just, you know, the words tumbling out from me that I just knew were from my higher power were so incredibly loving. Uh, and just to experience that infinite love. You know, it says um, in the big book how this person having the spiritual experience, you know, they were in the presence of infinite power and, inf and God's infinite power and love. But to experience that and to have that communication is can be really, really powerful. And it was for me. So it's, this is where I got that was through opening my mind and asking for God's communication. That's how I, you know, came to know the the uh, intense love that my higher power has for me and to experience, you know, what that is. So thank you so much. Thank you, Tamara C. Nancy C., your turn, followed by Beth B. <clears throat> thank you. Thank you so much, Dawn. This is really, really helpful. Um, I was interested if you could say a little bit more about how you were in for a very long time before you were able to um, feel any length of time of recovery. Was something, did something happen, you know, or was it a gradual kind of process? Thank you so much for that question, Nancy. Yeah, for me, it was um, it just... It hit me, you know, the doctor's opinion. Um, the message is, is that we're hopeless, that we are doomed, that there is no other way out. And I finally got that 
to the core of my being that I am going to die in this disease. This is a death sentence, and I have nothing to look forward to but a lot more pain, an infinite amount of suffering, and an early death. That's all I have. If I'm the real deal, it just the absolute certainty that I am going to die. There, I'm on a one-way street. There are no off-ramps, and it's a lot more pain, a lot more suffering, and an early death. And just to get that to the core of my being and with all the desperation of a drowning person to grab hold of this program, like with all the enthusiasm that a drowning person grabs a life preserver and work it like my life depends on it because it absolutely does. And uh, it was just a, uh, a beautiful, beautiful thing to uh, get to that gift of desperation that gift of realizing I am, this is a death sentence. I am at the gates of hell. I am at the gates of death. And, you know, then to be, feel myself being grabbed and drawn back from that, those gates by a power much greater than me when I surrendered. Because I, I couldn't do it any longer. I was a goner. So it was just a, you know, that I realize that to the core of my being. So thank you so much, Nancy. Thank you, Nancy C., for your question. Beth B., your turn, followed by Jody E. Beth B., star one to unmute. Life 
today as a result of your practicing the 12 steps and your abstinence. How are your relationships with your family members now? How do they respond to your new way of living? Thank you. Oh, thank you so much, Jody E., for that question. Uh, yeah, my husband, um, you know, I was, like I say, uh, fighting everything and everyone. Um, it was, you know, I didn't want to be in the same room with them. Um, just uh, my husband never, I was a rager. He never knew who he was going to get, you know, coming home. Um, was it going to be raging Dawn or was it going to be giddy, um, you know, high on her alcoholic foods Dawn? Uh, it was a mess. It was a flaming hot mess. That was my life. You know, hi, my name is Dawn. I am a flaming hot mess. Um, and with my children uh, as well, you know, with uh, four children, three with autism, two also with mental illness, uh, it was chaos on wheels. It really was. And um, now I'm just so infinitely grateful for this program because, um, you know, with my husband, he is now my dearest and best friend. Um, I love him more than words can express. Uh, and it's a practice of loving him. Through this program, I've learned uh, the practice of, of how to, to uh, you know, practice loving him. And my children as well. I have asked, I have paused, I have asked God and continue to ask God. And this is a practice. It's not a one and done. It's not, you know, all now everything is absolutely perfect and never do I get upset, never do I get angry, never do I get, you know. But it's a practice. It's a beautiful, beautiful practice. So now I can ask and have asked my higher power, you know, help me to see my children more like you see them. Help me to love them as you would delight in me loving them. Help me to see my husband more like you see him, God. Help me to love him as you would delight in me loving him. Give me the words. What would you have me say to him in this situation, God? Help me to see my life more like you see it. And that has been a transforming process to where now I can, as a result of going through steps um, you know, the steps with my children and, and their autism and mental illness, I have uh, learned to see my children more like God sees them. And so in God's eyes, I have come to understand through the steps, in God's eyes, my children are perfect. They are beautiful. They are whole. They are successful. They are infinitely loved loved beyond what I can begin to comprehend with my mind. And um, I have learned to ask for my higher powers definition of what a successful life is and what a valuable life is, rather than my judgment of it. Um, and in God's eyes, my children are exactly as God delights in them being. They are treasures. They are my teachers. Uh, they are the the people in my life are the perfect grade and grit of sandpaper that, that uh, you know, smooth off my rough edges. They are my teachers. It's just been beautiful. Thank you so much, Jody E. Thank you. Lisa G. Star one to unmute.
Did you say this is you? Yes. Yes, go ahead, Lisa G. Okay, Lisa G, would you like to pose a question? Oh, hi, this is Lisa. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, my question, uh, thank you. I thought I was speaking muted. Um, thank you, Dawn. It was a blessing to hear you. My question is, when you were doing the 10th step, um, what do you do when sadness comes up? Like profound sadness. Is there a place for that as you're working through this? Beautiful, beautiful question. Yes, absolutely. Um, I would definitely, you know, anything. It, resentment isn't just, uh, you know, resentment is kind of a big word. But uh, I would put any sadness, any emotional ripple, anything into that um, resentment form. Um, so sadness would definitely go into the... Um, would go into my resentful. I'm resentful that I'm, you know, sad, deeply sad about this issue. And then write down the causes. And usually in the causes, I like to keep it to 19 words or less. Uh, and just taking that example in the big book, you know, they keep it really short. Um, no, not going into a big story for myself anyway. You know, I've done it on, I'm resentful my children's autism. And the causes, you know, uh, and keeping that to 19 words or less. Because before, the, the steps are a gift to me because before I would go on and on and on and rehearse, you know, why I could never be happy, why I could never smile again, you know, why there was no reason to smile with my children's autism. And I would rehearse that story to everyone who would listen. But the steps in keeping it to 19 words or less gave me the uh, freedom to drop my story and instead to focus on my part. Uh, and so then in the core character defects, to really deep, take a deep dive into how am I, what am I telling myself that's not true? You know, finding those things. And what am I making this mean? I'm making it mean that, you know, it's a devastating tragedy and an unspeakable tragedy and no good could ever come from it. Well, um, you know, and then asking my higher power for the truth. And, and asking to see the situation more like God sees it. And, um, and just the tremendous learning and growth that came to me through that. Asking to see the situation more like God sees it. And then, you know, asking myself, okay, what is my core fear here? What am I really afraid of? And then writing that down. And then, um, you know, saying, asking myself, well, where's my trust and reliance? Is, am I relying on infinite God or am I relying on my finite self? And then saying the fear prayer, God, please remove my fear and sadness and direct my attention to what you would have me be. And then at, opening, opening my heart and asking for what God would have me be and listening and opening my heart and asking, you know, if my higher power were to communicate directly to me regarding this issue, what might my higher power say? What might infinite love say to me? What might infinite wisdom say to me? And just uh, creating a space where I can just write down, clearing my mind and write down anything that comes to me. So thank you so much for that question. Thank you, Lisa G. We can take one more question this morning. 
Anyone have a question or just pose? Too much interference, please. Um, I'm so sorry. Anyone else like to pose a question? Chris G. Okay, Chris G. Go ahead with your question, please. Um, thank you. Thank you for uh, everything. Chris, un star one to unmute, please. I believe it was Chris G, star one to unmute. Can I be heard? Yes, please go ahead. Okay, thank you. I'll try to... This is about doing a step 10 and valuing myself for what I do, and then holding myself up to not deserving, not deserving love or God's love. I tend to do that over and over again. Yes. Uh, I have had that same that same issue where I have felt, you know, undeserving of God's love. Um, and, in fact, I did a 10-step recently on that um, where I was fearful that, you know, I wasn't doing a good enough job, um, I wasn't worthy of God's love, um, and why do I have the fear? Um, I put it in a fear form because I believe that my mistakes disqualify me from being acceptable and worthy of God's love, and and I realized that I was trying to earn God's love and acceptance uh, by on my own abilities, trying to earn something. And so I then did the fear prayer, God, please remove my fear and direct my attention to what you'd have me be. And then um, what God would have me be in that situation was relaxed and calm, aware that I am loved beyond what I could ever begin to comprehend with my mind, aware that I am God's precious, precious daughter, and that God delights in everything about me. I was, uh, I'm invited to rest in that infinite love that God has for me. And when I asked my, my higher power, you know, if you were to speak to me regarding this issue, what might my higher power say? And my higher power says, Donnie, you are more precious to me than all the stars. There is no need for you to try to earn or to beg for what you already have in infinite abundance because of who I am. I am your value. I am your security. You are mine, and I call you my beloved, my precious sweetheart, in whom my soul delights. Relax and let me love you. Slow down to feel my presence with you always. It is I who hold you by the hand and will never let you go. You don't need to worry. All is well, precious one. All is well. And uh, so, I, anyway, I hope that's helpful. Thank you for the question. Thank you, Chris G., and thank you to all who posed questions today. And, of course, thank you, Dawn, for such a beautiful presentation, so rich, deep, and profound. Thank you for sharing your
personal experiences and insights with all of us today. Very touching. Thank you so much. We're going to close now from page 164. You'll find it in your text, in a chapter entitled A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit. And you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.